Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. And Lord, the the truth of, of that song is just ringing in our minds and hearts. And so, Lord, would you meet with those who are crying out today, I need you. And Lord, for the rest of us who are here, who may be distracted, who may be kind of all over the place, Lord, would you draw our hearts to you this morning? And Lord, calls us with one voice to continue to proclaim, even as we hear your word preached this morning, continue to proclaim, Lord, I need you. Lord, we also acknowledge this morning that there are people who Lord, in this this season, this weekend, Lord, as they think of loved ones that have been lost, uh, Lord, in in our uh, military around the world at different times, Lord, they're they're grieving. Lord, they're in hurt and pain this morning. And Lord, as we we stand here this morning, we don't take for granted or, or cause us not to take for granted, Lord, the freedom we have in this country to gather together, to cry out together, Lord, I need you to, to proclaim that Jesus is the, the only answer. Lord, to, to together look to him week after week. Look to what your word says. Lord, we don't take that freedom for granted. But Lord, fill us with compassion for those families that are hurting because of the cost it took to give us that freedom. And Lord, we pray that you would heal up, that Lord, you would meet them where they are. Lord, that you would demonstrate your love to them today and tomorrow, Lord, in these days to come. Lord, would you minister to their needs? And Lord, show us how to be a part of that by listening, by loving, by caring. Lord, teach us those things. Lord, we need you to even do that. And Lord, today as we come to your word, Lord, may we even right now, may you be working in our hearts that we come as those ready to hear not from a guy standing on stage talking, but ready to hear from the truth of your word for the glory of your name. Lord, that our hearts might be challenged to look to you, and that our hearts might be encouraged as we do so. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Did you know that training matters? Training matters. I had a vivid um, picture of this yesterday. So I'm helping to coach uh, an 8U All-Star team. And you know how All-Stars work. Many of you, I'll let you know real quick, is during the regular season, you're playing as, as um, one team. And then at the end of the season, different players are chosen from, from all the teams and they're put on an All-Star team, right? And this, um, this All-Star team usually doesn't have that many practices together before tournaments start. In the case of our team, um, we had had two practices before the tournament started. And then we went into an All-Star tournament yesterday. Well, we took this one little boy that's extremely talented, 
All right, and then about the third inning, we needed to move some things around. Extremely talented, and so uh, we, put him at, we put him at shortstop. And there's a runner on first base. A ball is hit to, second, to the second baseman, and what the shortstop is supposed to do at that moment is run over to second base to receive the throw from the second baseman so we can get that runner out. Well, our shortstop at that moment goes, we're saying, go, and he's just standing there like, he's watching, he's, he's paying attention to what's going on, he's watching the play, but he doesn't take off running to second base. And so as coaches were like, go, run to the bag. He didn't. Thankfully, we got the next batter out, and as, as our players are coming in, I, I, I knelt down to him, I said, hey, what happened? He said, what do you mean? It's like a little seven, eight, I guess he's eight now. What do you mean? And I said, why didn't you go cover the bag when the ball was hit to this side? He goes, nobody taught me to do that. <laughs> well, there you have it, right? So, so that one's on the coaches. Um, training matters. And the reality is this boy, we had never coached him before. We hadn't gone over that in practice. We just assumed. But, but training matters. And so today, as we come to our passage this morning, um, I want to ask you, what are you training for? Or, or what are you training your children for? And then does what you say you are training your children for or that you are training for match up with how you are training your children or how you are training your own hearts and lives? Throughout the book of Proverbs, um, so we've been in this series on Proverbs, and throughout the book of Proverbs, we've seen that God shares wisdom for his people through the words of King Solomon as King Solomon shares those with, with his son. And so as we look at the wisdom God shares today, and we've been going through different topics this way. As we look at the wisdom God shares today, we're going to see a few passages where parenting is specifically being talked about. Now hang with me because there's something here for everyone. But did you know that according to George Barna and his research, and this was in 2007, so in the year 2007, according to George Barna and his research, let me ask you, rather than telling you, how many books do you think in 2007 had been written on the topic of parenting? Somebody throw out a number out loud. We don't normally do that, but throw out a number. How many? 50, okay, 50,000. That's a much better guess than we got in the first service. There's more wisdom there, right? You're, you know, uh, 50,000. Um, actually, the number, this was in 2007, was 75,000 books have been written on parenting, according to his research. Now, some of you have had the experience of, when, uh, of coming to me and saying, hey, Tim, we're talking about doing something in our life group, and we want to study a book on parenting. And I'm like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> Why would I say that? Why would I cringe when someone comes and says they want to study a book on parenting? Here's why. Because everyone has an opinion on how it should be done. And often many of us find our justification in parenting or our justification in how we are living out our lives based on whether other people agree with us or not. And so understanding that's true, God still talks about it in his word. And so we're going to talk about it. And as we talk about it, it's probably going to step on some of your toes at moments. It may irritate some of you. You may have moments today where you're like, ooh. 
Kids who are in here, there may be some things that you don't want to hear today too. But what I believe we'll see in this passage uh, is very important for us. And so it's, it's hard at times for us to understand what direction to point our children or what direction we need to go, right? It's hard for us because our culture says one thing and we get bombarded from all these different directions in our culture. And then we're also, if you're a Christian here today, you're also wrestling with all sorts of different things from the Christian subculture that you hear. And then on top of that, we're struggling with our own sinful hearts as parents, as leaders, um, as people. And so all of that can make it really difficult to understand the direction. And so I'm going to summarize all that I just said in this. If you are a parent here today, this is for you. If you feel like you've blown it as a parent today, this is for you. If you feel like you're done with parenting and your kids turned out great because of your parenting, then you definitely need to hear this today. (laughs) And kids, this passage is a parent talking to their child. And so these things we're talking about this morning are very important for you today if you're a child or teenager. And then even if you're not a parent and you're not sure you'll ever be a parent... All of us need the truths of these passages today because of all the training you could get for life. This training has the most implication for our future and our hope. All right, so let's get to the Word of God. We're going to go to uh, Proverbs. I'm going to read several. I'll just kind of guide us along. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, and then we're going to go from there. Proverbs chapter 22, uh, beginning in verse 6, and I remind you that we believe this is the Word of God. And it says this in um, 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And then chapter 22, verse 15, says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. And then chapter 23, uh, Proverbs 23, verses 13 through 18. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. So where does this training start? If training matters, where does it start? First, and this is our first point today, we need to go to Jesus. We need to go to Jesus. 22, verse 6, again, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up, um, and I want to I draw this out for a minute because it's important. Train up um, is a dedicated and consistent instruction. That's actually one word in the Hebrew. It's a dedicated and consistent instruction. So kids, kids, teenagers, or parents who were kids at one point, if, have, did you ever have your parents say to you, how many times do I have to tell you that? I know at least some, 
I know at least one person in here felt that way. Um, I felt that way in my life a lot. How many times have I got to tell you to do that? But training up indicates a long-term walk with our children. A long-term work with them in the way they should go. Our being trained up, even as adults, is a long-term thing. It's not a one-and-done magic thing we figured out. It's a long-term walking, consistent instruction. And he says, train them in this way. And, and what is the way they should go? Now, I've heard people say, when, the, when coming to this passage, teach your kids to do everything the Bible says and the rest will take care of itself. And it is true that following God, following what God says is good and right, that, that, that is important. So please don't mishear me. And we need to teach our kids to this and, and we need to live by this. And it is more than that. And it is more than that. Because this alone, simply do what is right, do what the Bible says, just do what's right, lends itself to a view of parenting in which we're just trying to create good kids and keep them from messing themselves up too bad. Or we're trying to create successful kids. Or we're just trying to give them a better life than we had. But I want to make this point very clear. Because if that's all we're doing, if that's all we're doing, then we're actually pointing them to trust in their own ability to be good enough. And when we're teaching them to look at the Bible and to just do it right, then we're teaching them to trust in their own ability to follow what the Bible says. And so what that does then is cause the Bible to become just like one of those other 75,000 books on parenting. Let's try it out. Let's see if it works to help with our kids' goals. And if it doesn't work, well, we'll try one of the many other options. But it's so much more than that. The way we should go is to go to Jesus. Now, I want to go ahead and acknowledge, because some of you are probably already thinking this. When this passage was written, this is Proverbs, written in the Old Testament. So when this passage was written, Jesus, the Son of God, had not yet come to earth. But wisdom throughout the book of Proverbs is said to be found in the fear of the Lord. This means that, that we're, growing, we're, we're, we're growing in care more and more about what God says is good for us, what he says in his word, because of what he has done. Because Jesus, God has shown his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? Because of what Jesus has done, because we know that we are loved by him through the work of Jesus, now we're living our lives to follow him, to obey what he says is good. And then we grow in our trust in him as we turn to him over and over. That's that train up, that dedicated instruction of coming to him again and again. 
When we fear the Lord, it causes us to turn to him through what Jesus has done and then ask him by the Holy Spirit to keep us from sin and to help us follow him and obey. Here's what I'm trying to get at. God the Father, Jesus the Son while on earth, they didn't give us directions so that we can raise perfect children or for us to be perfect adults. They, they gave us directions to say, this is good for us, but God wrote the Bible. When, when, when God had people write the Bible, guess what? He already knew about sin. He already knew about sin. When we start thinking that we're just going to raise perfect children, then we begin to take the book. We begin to glean from it maybe and hope it works out. But he gave us so much more. He gave us something much greater. He gave us a perfect relationship with him through the work of Jesus. That's what the whole of the Bible is pointing us to again and again and again. And we need this message, and we should never grow tired of hearing this message. If if we grow tired of hearing the message that we can go back to Jesus again and again and again, that as as we seek to follow him, as we fail in following him, uh, that, that, that we have a place to run back to, if we grow tired of hearing that, then I, I dare say we're actually not reading God's word very much because God's word is going to show us our sin. And it's going to point us back to him again and again and again. Often um, you hear the illustration of the, or you hear testimony, I I do, of of kids growing up in the church. And they'll grow up in the church and they'll say, um, you know, we hear this later. Usually it's when the, the, um, you know, 30-something comes back to church. Um, And a lot of times you'll hear the testimony of, Um, yeah, I didn't really hear the gospel. I didn't really understand what the Bible was teaching when I was growing up in church. One of the greatest fears for me as a parent is that a lot of times the people you hear that from are pastor's kids, and I have three of those. I didn't really hear that growing up in the church. Now, some of our minds go immediately to, well, that's because the church didn't do a good job. The church they were in didn't do a good job of teaching it. I know some of our minds go there. But the reality is, is that in a lot of places, they probably did hear it here, but they didn't hear it in their hearts yet. That doesn't mean that their parents failed. Because their parents could have been pointing them to Jesus. Their parents could have been teaching them God's word. Their parents could have been praying for them. Their church family could have been doing all those things Yet they still didn't get it here yet. I was talking to some um, gentlemen this morning, older gentlemen who have lots of kids and grandkids, and both of them said, please tell people today that the older you get, the more you realize that nobody was a perfect parent. They said, they need to hear that today. And so from two men I respect very much, I share that to you. 
Those kids, when they come back, though, when they do come to the church, when God does grip their heart, they're in a much better place than if we hadn't done that. Let me explain why. Tim Keller uses this illustration. And he says, for parents who have children growing up in the church, and some of you are hurting right now because you have kids that have walked away from the faith, you're worried about them. But he says, for parents who who have raised their children and who have continued to point them to God's word and pray for them and pray with them and care for them, it's like stacking wood in a fireplace. And when God lights that fire, there is a foundation there for them already. And it's ready to go. And so if you're struggling with that this morning, don't lose hope. Keep praying that God will light that fire in them. But I want to call out, too, that the goal of Christian parenting is not to save your children. Because you can't. Only God can do that. But you can stack that wood in the fireplace. And you can model lives that are dependent on Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. You know the name D.L. Moody? He was a very um, well-known pastor, preacher. And he was known to be a pretty happy guy. Um, His son, writing his biography, said that Moody um, said that his father was, was really hardly ever angry with him. And he said, but there was one time he remembers vividly that his father came out. His father had a big meeting. Um, he doesn't even remember what the meeting was. He just knows it was a big meeting. He was stressed about it. His father called him to come inside. He didn't come inside. And so his father goes outside to get him and calls him again, and he's still not really coming. And his father loses it on him with anger. He comes inside. His father goes off to the meeting. Son goes to sleep as he tells the story. He said, but I was awoken when my father came home to my dad waking me up, weeping and saying, son, please forgive me, not for calling you to obey, but for my sin and anger towards you. He said, I heard my my father preach over a thousand sermons and I remember little bits of each of them but I'll never forget that sermon he preached to me when he came and asked my forgiveness. We model lives that are dependent on Jesus and the work of the Spirit because our kids need to be pointed to Jesus, not what we need from them, not the things we think will make us happier, the things we think will fix their lives. We need to point them to Jesus again and again. So we need to go to Jesus, but our second point is this. Our hearts lead us away from Jesus. Our hearts lead us away from him. Look at verse 22, uh, chapter 22, verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. And then verses 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Our kids, 
Verse 15 tells us, chapter 22, verse 15 tells us, kids have sinful hearts. I was living in a culture previous to coming here for about three years. And in that culture, the, the, the religion of that culture says that kids aren't sinful until they're eight years old. And I'm like, really? Are you serious? The result of their sinful hearts is to lead us away from Jesus. And it's to lead us toward... The second part of verse 13 says death, and the second part of 14 says towards Sheol. Sheol is the Old Testament word for what we call in the New Testament hell. It's the place of no return. It's the place of complete separation from God. And so our hearts lead us away because our hearts are sinful. How do we address that? Well, the passage says it's through discipline. The word discipline means, well, you know what? Before I say that, let me ask this question. Kids, again, look at me for just a minute. How many of you like it when you get in trouble and you have consequences for your actions? Y'all don't even want to look at me right now. This is great. (laughs) When you get in trouble and you have consequences for your actions. Let me tell you this. as, As an adult... I don't like it when I get in trouble and have consequences for my actions either, okay? Um, We don't like that. But God says, don't withhold discipline. There's several things I want to point out as we look at this passage, um, because if you just take these verses out of context, you miss the the bigger picture of what it's talking about here, of what the Bible says as a whole. We know from the Bible as a whole um, that no action of ours in itself keeps our kids or us from dying. Okay, so you got that first. And then number two, no action of of ours saves our souls from ultimate and forever separation from God. So so there's a key there. So the action that we do does not cause that. It's not a one-to-one correlation. Because we just said a minute ago, God's got to light the fire, so to speak. And that's important to understand because if we don't understand that, then we'll try to begin to use discipline to get our kids to behave like we want them to behave. And we'll try to use discipline. And and as we try to do that, our actions begin to lead our kids and ourselves away from Jesus instead of toward him. Discipline, godly discipline, points us back to Jesus. You see, the point is, is that even our discipline is supposed to point kids back to Jesus and to the Father. And the Bible says, though, if we're unwilling to do that, if we're unwilling to discipline our children, Hebrews 12, 6 says, we don't love them. And he ties it into the correlation with, with the Lord as a father to his children. For the Lord disciplined the one, the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So discipline's important. Consequences for our actions are important. But God's not lazy in the next step. God takes the time to point us back to him. But so often, we don't take that last step.
Then there's the times that we underdiscipline. And that's usually because we cannot stand the thought of our children disapproving of us. And so we give them what they want because our identity is in what they think of us as a parent. When one of my kids was younger, he looked at me and he said, you're not a very good daddy. It took me a year of applying the gospel to my heart, of having other people apply the gospel to my heart. Before I could really begin to heal from that, he said a thousand times that he loves me and that, he's, that, I'm a, that, he, that he loves me as his daddy. But that one time, it hurts. But the other thing is, is that if we make an idol out of our children and an idol out of how our children turn out, then we're more likely to over-discipline. Everything they do wrong will jump on because we want them to be perfect, because we find our value in them. Or maybe because when things are going, when they're doing what they're supposed to do, that serves our idol of comfort. Often the point of our discipline becomes, is because we're selfish. Whether we just care about what people think of us in our parenting or whether we want to make things easier for us day to day so we, we want our kids to listen and obey. And that's not the point of godly discipline. The point of godly discipline is a heart change. We can't change their hearts, but godly discipline demonstrates that due to sin, there are consequences, and it reminds them of the cost, of, uh, cost in this life of sin and the cost in this life of running from what God says is good for them. And that is part of it, and that is important. But the most important aspect of godly discipline is that it points them to the one they need. It points them to the one who can actually change their hearts. You cannot scare your children into believing this, and you cannot bribe your children into believing this. Were you scared into believing it? Were you bribed into believing it? No. Your discipline will not change your kids' hearts, but it will point them to their need for Jesus, who through his Holy Spirit can change them. But here's the key to all of this as we try to enact this, this discipline in the lives of our kids, this instruction in the lives of the kids of, this, of our church, it's what had to be applied to my heart. We need to parent out of God's delight for us simply through what he has done for us in Jesus Christ, not, about, not because of this this balance of how good I did as a parent, how much I messed my kid up as a parent. We parent out of his delight in us. I want to talk to the kids for just a minute. Here's the thing I want you to know about your parents, and I want you to know about this church family. We love you. We really do. 
because of that, we hate the sin we see inside of you. And by the way, a lot of times when we see that sin inside of you, we're seeing the sin inside of us. If we don't train you, if we don't show you this discipline, we're actually saying we don't love you. And I know that's hard to hear right now, but it's what God's word says. I'm going to use this illustration. I heard another pastor use it. And this is to the kids. There was a day, y'all listening? There was a day when you found happiness and relief and maybe even joy for some of you by pooping in your diaper. Y'all got me? There was a day that you thought that's what you needed. What did your parents teach you? No, that wasn't the best thing for you. And they, they, they pointed you away from that by teaching you, by instructing you, by helping you in that. Parents, your kids, or kids, your parents love you. And their heart is to steer you to the things that are good for you. And parents, ultimately the thing that is good for your children is the same thing that is good for us. And that is a relationship walking with our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what happens in verse, in verse 15 and 16 of chapter 23 is that when children are walking there, there is rejoicing in following Jesus. That's what he's showing us in 15. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. And then 16, my inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. And there's this picture here of, this, of the parents that are just excited because they see the, the, a father that is excited because he sees his son walking with the Lord. And that leads us to our last point in the short. It's that going to Jesus gives us a future and a hope. Verse 17 and 18. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Every child here, and by the way, everybody here is a child of someone. You've been raised by someone, right? So we'll start with that. Every child here, I want, to tell, I want to encourage you in something. Do not idolize your parents. Do not live for their approval and do not live to overwhelm their disapproval. Live in response to God the Father and what He has done for you through His Son, Jesus Christ. See, some of us live our lives trying to prove that our parents were wrong. And that is a slavery. That is a, a bondage that we're living in rather than in the freedom that God has looked at us through our Son and said, you are beloved. 
I am pleased with you. Others of us live enslaved to the perception of what what are our parents going to think of us. I live in the joy and the freedom of knowing that God, what God thinks of you through his son, Jesus. We have to find who we are and believe who we are in Christ. And that will allow us to to, um, parent our kids well. That will also allow us to love our parents well. And realize we're on the same path to where Jesus is leading to this future and to this hope. I'm going to wrap up with this. Jesus has given us everything we need in the gospel. All right. This path that we're talking about, why do we keep pointing to Jesus? It's because of what's going to come. And we get to experience some of this along the way, but it's because of what's going to come. It says in Revelation that Jesus is going to do what? He is going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. Those tears your kids shed because you messed up. Those tears and hurt and brokenness you feel because your parents messed up. He's going to wipe those away. He's going to heal them from those things. He's going to heal you from those things. If you're hurting right now because of the way your parents raised you, he is the one who can heal you. He is the one who can heal your relationship with them if they're still here on this earth. But understand, even if they're not, he can heal your heart. So I come back to parents. You cannot protect your children from everything that's going to hurt them. Don't we all really want to? And yet we can't even protect them from ourselves. And our sinful hearts. But we can give them the gospel to heal them from everything that will hurt them. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer here in just, um, for just a moment. And I want to encourage you to take a, couple, take a minute or two. And if there is a place in your heart... Um, Ask the Lord to show you this. This is what I really want. Ask the Lord to show you if there's a place in your heart where you need to forgive a parent or you need to forgive a child or you need to forgive... Well, I'm just going to leave it at that for right now. And as you do that, I want to encourage you in this. Some of you, even as, we, as I ask you to do that, you're going to think it's, it's too late because my child is no longer with me, my parents are no longer with me. But I want to encourage you that even as you do this, even as God shows you those things, that he can heal your heart as well, even in the midst of that. And so just take a few moments, ask him to show you those things, um, and then I'll bring us together for the Lord's table. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your forgiveness.
And Lord, we thank you that you came. Lord, that your body was broken, that your blood was shed. Lord, so that those who acknowledge our sin and who come in the name of Jesus can know that we're forgiven. And Lord, that so that we who have been forgiven can forgive those who have caused hurt in our lives. Lord, thank you for the beauty of the gospel. Thank you that you're patient to continue to train us up in the way we should go. And that your discipline points us back to you again and again and again, not as a punishment. The punishment's been paid for in Christ. But as a hope, as a future. Thank you, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.